Uh, in our 239 nights of camping, in which we've probably, I don't know, traveled to 10 or 11 different states, this, this campground uh, for us is a top three campground. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. Authors of Where Should We Camp Next, a 50-state guide to amazing campgrounds and other unique outdoor accommodations. Almost 12 years ago, we bought a pop-up camper that changed our lives and introduced us to the joys of RV travel. Join us now as we talk about where to camp, what gear to bring, and the best food to cook. We will also keep you dialed in to the latest RV innovations from people in the know. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. Today, I am thrilled to have back on the show my friend, Casita Dean May. Casita Dean has been on this podcast many, many times and given us so many great campground reviews and also some really terrific episodes about historical topics like the CCC and the National Forest Service. Always love to have him on the show. And today, he's coming on the RV Atlas to give us a fresh review of one of the best KOAs in the country, in my opinion and in his opinion. We're going to be talking about the Townsend KOA in Townsend, Tennessee. The Townsend KOA is located near Cades Cove, and it is pretty close to everything that Great Smoky Mountains National Park offers. Now, Stephanie and I and the boys went to this KOA about seven years ago, and we loved it. We had such a good time here, tubing on the Little River. The boys loved playing at the playground, and it did provide great access to Cades Cove and to the quiet side of the Smokies in Townsend. That was the longest RV trip we ever went on. That was a 34- or 36-day RV trip. And we spent at least two weeks uh, touring both sides of Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And this campground was an absolutely magical gem. We have been to probably 30 KOAs at this point, and this is one of the best two or three KOAs that we've been to, and pretty much everyone that goes here loves it. So we have not reviewed this campground in six or seven years, and so many of our listeners uh, probably weren't even listening back then. So time for a fresh review, because they've also added some things and made some changes, and it sounds like the Townsend KOA is better than it has ever been. So I'm incredibly excited to come back in a second and hear what Casita Dean May has to say about the Townsend KOA. And he's going to talk about some of his favorite things to do in Great Smoky Mountains National Park. But before we have that great conversation, it's time for a sponsored message from our friends at Thetford. Thetford makes going places easy by manufacturing top RV maintenance and sanitation products, and they've been doing so since 1963. Thetford's Aquamax holding treatments neutralize odors and accelerate waste digestion to prevent clumping, clogging, and tank residue, all at the same time. The Aquamax family is bronopol and formaldehyde-free, so it is campground-friendly and California-compliant. Proudly made in the USA, Thetford's new family of Aquamax holding tank treatments have been extensively researched and and tested safe for all RV and marine toilets, holding tanks, and septic systems. Aquamax is available in liquid, toss-in, and dry packets in seven different sizes and in spring shower scent and summer cypress scent. To find out more, head on over to Thetford.com. Hello, Casita, Dean May, and welcome back to the RV Atlas. How are you doing, Dean? I am doing well. It's uh, middle of summer, and it feels great. 
I am always excited when you come back on the show. What was our last episode all the way back to the National Forest Service or did have we done something in between? This this last year is is a little bit crazy in my mind. I think it was the National Forest Service and then we did the Civilian Conservation Corps before that. Oh, I loved that whole that whole series. So today we have you back on the show for a fresh review of the Townsend KOA, which I think at this point, Stephanie and I were there almost seven years ago and had an amazing trip. Uh, this was one of our favorite KOAs we've ever been to, but I think it's definitely time for a fresh review. And you guys, you guys love this campground and have been there many times, right? Uh, yes, we've been, as of this past April, we've been five times now. Now, we missed uh, 2020, but since we've owned the Casita, we've met, we've discovered that campground through an egg camper gathering and we go every we go every year i love it so get everyone situated here um great smoky mountains there's a lot of different places a lot of different sections of the park where you can take an rv trip get everyone situated with where the townsend koa is right this is and again at least uh for me the great smoky mountain national park is a large uh, national park that you know that spans uh, at least a couple of states uh so uh, what the the folks in the townsend area like to say is that the townsend koa is on the peaceful side of the smokies so uh townsend tennessee is about 50 minutes about 36 miles due south southeast of knoxville tennessee and is really pretty close to the tennessee north carolina border all right so what what are the distances from some other places too? Like if you're planning a trip and you want to drive there, right? And I, this is definitely something that you want to think about because this is a large national park that also has mountains. So when you're driving from point A to point B, there's a lot of turns in between. So you're so you're you're somewhat speed regulated, and also keep in mind that this is the uh, most visited national park in the country. So depending on when you're going. Uh, traffic can be a bit bad. Uh, so there's a couple of different of uh, uh, the major visitor centers or well, the one is uh, Sugarlands Visitor Center. You're about 19 miles uh, from the from the KOA to the to the visitor center there. But that 19 miles will take you about 40 minutes. Uh, a couple of places that, you know, the big places that you want to go to when you're there, when there are many, there's like Clingman's Dome, about 38 miles, which is about a 75-minute drive. Cades Cove, which everybody wants to do, Cades Cove, is 14 miles, but you're still looking at about a 40-minute uh, drive. And if you wanted, just as a matter of perspective, to drive all the way to the other end of the park on the North Carolina side, uh, it's the Okana Lusty Visitor Center in Cherokee, would take you about an hour and a half to get there and would be a 47-mile uh, drive. And, of course, if you're going to be visiting the national park, it does have a lot of other little ta- you know, towns and things that you may want to visit. Like, for example, Gatlinburg. Everybody's heard of Gatlinburg. It's about 23 miles or 45 minutes. Pigeon Forge is about 18 miles, 35 minutes. And Sevierville is about 24 miles and 45 minutes. So these are all things you can do, but you're going to have to factor in a little bit of driving time. 
Now, this that's that's a really great bit of information there. Let's break that down a little bit. A lot of people do associate the towns in KOA with Cades Cove as sort of a, a jumping off point to visit Cades Cove. Now, you can camp in Cades Cove without hookups, but if you want that private yeah. campground experience with full hookups, uh, towns in KOA is a great option. But it, in a sense, it doesn't sound like Cades Cove is that close but it's as about as close as you can get to Cades Cove unless you're actually camping in Cades Cove, correct? Because Cave Co- Cades that, Cove is even yeah. further out than all these other things. Right, right. That pretty much uh, sums it up. Laura and I would love to camp at some of the campgrounds inside the national parks, such as over at uh, you know at Cades Cove or Elkmont or some of the other campgrounds. But I mean, there's there's no hookups, and Laura and I, with our little casita, has got a ten gallon fresh tank, uh, and we don't have a propane furnace, uh, so we're we're not quite set up for that type of camping yet. I'd love to do it, but I tell you what, that the the towns in KOA will spoil you. It's a it's a wonderful campground, and it's pretty, and it, you get the sense of oh, what the yeah. Smokies feel like on the on the little river there, right? It's it's and again, Laura and I probably lean a little towards state parks and national forest and Army Corps of Engineer campgrounds, but uh, and I'll mention it a, a, again, probably a time or two. This is a top three campground for Laura and I. Now, also, I want to point out, you know, when we went to the Smokies, we spent a significant amount of time on both sides. I mean, we were two weeks total Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say most people stay on the Tennessee side if you just look at the tourism numbers. But for those who are just planning their first trip to Great Smoky Mountains National Park, nothing wrong with just staying on the Tennessee side. But I will say this, if you don't at least drive over one day to the Econolifty Visitor Center and explore that area, you are missing some spectacular hiking. I mean, longtime listeners of the RV Atlas, going back to RV Family Travel Atlas, will remember that the Kephart Prong Trail close to the Econolifty Visitor Center is one of my three favorite hikes of all time. So I would say really worth it to go over to the North Carolina side. I mean, have you guys done that? Uh, well, there's Falling for Fiberglass Egg Rally is uh, held every year in Cherokee. That's farther away for Laura and I. And again, for us to take in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, I can be to the towns in KOA in about 230 miles or less. For us to go on to Cherokee, it's over 300 miles. So uh, that makes a little bit of a difference. But yes, we've been to Cherokee. We love visiting there. We've been to the other visitor center there. We spent a few days, and we definitely want to go back. But in terms of just mm-hmm. making it easier to uh, for us, it's much easier to get to the to the towns and sides than the Cherokee side. Got it. And I would also say, and, and typically I love the visitor centers, but I feel like with Great Smoky Mountains National Park, the visitor centers are even more important because in both cases, there are a lot of things to do and hikes you can do right around the visitor centers. They are located in beautiful, beautiful spots. So if you're planning your first trip to Great Smokies, make sure that, that stopping at those visitor centers is part of your mission. So let's talk a little bit more about the KOA setup there at Townsend and the KOA structure um, which you have in your notes here and is a great thing to uh, refresh our listeners on or introduce our listeners to how KOA sets up their campground. So what type of KOA is the Townsend KOA? 
Yeah, now the the KOAs, I guess they kind of branded themselves a few years ago as having kind of a three-tier system of what they call a, a, a journey, where you kind of just pull off the interstate, spend the night, get back on the road the next day. Then the then you would have a holiday KO, KOA and then a resort KOA. And the Townsend KOA is in that middle category of a holiday KOA meaning that it has a it has a fair number of amenities uh but it's not a full bore resort or anything uh like that you know i know that you guys have you know recently you you know you can co- cover some of the different koas that have that are more resort oriented this is just a wonderful campground to spend the day in the national park and at the end of the day the Townsend KOA is just a wonderful base camp for relaxing and taking it easy at the end of the day after, uh, you know, hiking and sightseeing in the national park. And most of the KOAs do fall into the holiday category. Um, you know, there's like, I think there's over 500 KOAs now. Uh, in terms of resorts, there might be 20 at the most. I'm not super current with that information. Most of them fall into that holiday category. And I feel like the Townsend KOA is the picture perfect example of the, the KOA holiday. Like, I'm with you. This is This is a top, top campground. Right, right. And, uh, and, and they're, and they're striving to become an even better campground. One of the things since we, we missed 2020, uh, uh, camping there. So it'd been a couple of years and I was really surprised when I got there that they're in the process of building a new office. Uh, I don't know exactly when that's going to be finished. So they're building a new office. And then the other thing they're doing, I, I said that they were creating more deluxe patio sites. Of course, I need to be careful saying that when I say creating, it's not they're a, they're a little landlocked there. So it's not like they're creating more sites. They're more converting and upgrading some sites. But man, they have uh, some deluxe riverside patio sites there that I have never seen better campsites in my life. And that includes uh, Anchor Down, where Laura and I camped a couple of years ago. So there are some really, really nice sites. And they're doing a lot there to, 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 to have that type of deluxe patio riverside Riverside type of experience. Well, and the river's right there. I mean, literally, you could, on some <laughs> yeah. of those sites, I imagine you just could dip your toes right in the river if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. Yes, we we do that. (laughs) Now, when we were there, I went tubing down the little river um, from the campground by myself with my camera, my waterproof camera, trying to get some cool pictures. And I did have a little mishap with some rocks. So if you do uh, decide to go tubing down the little river, it's pretty peaceful and calm, like directly at the entry point at the campground. But once you get a little further down the way, it it got a little rocky. So what else do we need to know about the size of the campground and and what else do they offer besides RV sites? Yeah, I kind of consider the the campground, it's it's not a small campground. It's definitely not a large campground. So I'm going to put it in that sort of middle size uh, type of campground. They have just over 80 RV sites. They also have, if you want to do some tent camping, they do have 10 tent camping sites. They have 15 standard cabins and 19 deluxe cabins. Uh, so they have a little bit of everything from tent camping all the way through to full board deluxe cabins. I, and I do really like that about the KOA model in general. I love pulling into like the Lake Placid KOA and there's families tent camping. 
there's obviously families in their RVs. There's families in cabins. In some situations, there's families in glamping tents. I like to see the whole American camping experience happening all at one campground. And I, I feel like a good KOA will give you that. So we talked about the physical appearance that it's on the little river. Anything else people should know about what it looks like and how it feels to to be there? Right. And in fact, it's, it runs right along the uh, little river. So you have about 1,700 feet of river front frontage there. Uh, it's generally wooded. Uh, there are some semi-sun uh, sites, but I would. It's basically in the woods along uh, the river. So it is. It's a very, and again for me, one of the prettiest campgrounds. They they just they're they're spot on in terms of uh, their presentation of the of of the campground. So how about booking sites? Is it impossible? How much do things cost as well? Yeah. Well, I can tell you now just from playing around and looking around, uh, if you're trying to book uh, from now through the rest of uh, uh, the fall, it's pretty busy. Uh, but in terms of making reservations, it's easy to make reservations through the, uh, the, the KOA reservation system. So there's no problems there. And again, this is going to be with it being a KOA, depending upon the time of the year, depending upon the type of site, depending upon whether it's Riverside or a back-end site somewhere else, you can see quite a range in terms of the, the prices. Uh, for example, if you're interested in a cabin, a deluxe cabin could run you 150 to $250 a night, again, depending upon the time of the year. A standard cabin, but again, some of these some of their standard cabins are pretty standard. I mean, there's no bathroom, no kitchen, uh, basically electric only. They'll range from about seventy dollars to a hundred and twenty dollars a night, depending upon the time of year. The RV sites, a, a more basic thirty amp electric and water only, will run you about forty five to seventy five dollars a night. If you want to go all in on that. 30, 50 amp full hookup patio riverfront site, it will cost you as little as $50. But again, that's going to be in the winter to as much as $125 a night. Uh, and I even thought even their tent sites seem a little pricey to me, but I guess because I, I think it's kind of one of those things they have 10 Tent, tent sites, they're about $35 a night, which isn't too bad, up to $70 a night, which seems like uh, uh, quite a bit of money. And they also, the riverfront campsites, the tent sites would run you a little bit more, maybe up to $75 a night. Now, I've been at conferences where I've heard campground owners and associations uh, talk about tent site pricing. A little inside scoop for our audience those tent prices are high, and they are high at many KOAs and many private campgrounds where RVs really dominate because they are very intentionally trying to, for lack of a better terminology, keep the riffraff out. They, they don't want people coming in large <laughs> yeah. groups, spending 20 bucks and you know, getting drunk on a tent site. And that's just that's the harsh reality of the game that's being played. So, you know, KOAs and other campgrounds like that are told, like, Put, make the prices high on the tent sites. You know, it's it, that's a strategy that's very, very intentional. Um, 
So oh, that's great information on the pricing, Dean. And you can see for our listeners out there, like that dynamic pricing has really taken over in the campground industry, where it's like when people ask you, well, how much does it cost to camp here? You know, my answer is, well, that depends on a lot of variables these days. Like when we started, you know, sites would be $50 all year, you know. Um, but now it's going that range you quoted for the RV sites on the river uh, 50 to 125. That's a pretty wide range of prices there. So, you know, if you're a family camping over 4th of July weekend, you're paying the upper range. You know, if you're somebody that can travel in the off season, you can still get great bargains for, for camping. Now, Dean, you guys go here sometimes in the off season too, don't you? Uh, we go at the beginning of the season. We always go in uh, mid-April, and I was a little surprised. I would have thought that mid-April would have been, still been uh, in season, but there's a lot of places, even some of the restaurants that aren't open yet. I'm that surprises me too. I really would have thought that that would. Uh, I, I guess the weather is a little sketchy that time of year around Great Smokies. Like you could get warm weather or you could get cold rain. Is that true? Yeah, you could, but it's really. Um, I mean, you're more likely to, in our experience of camping there over the last five years or so, you're more likely to get those April thunderstorms than you are kind of the cold and nasty weather. I don't think in the last five years I've ever seen a uh, a day any lower than maybe upper 60s. Most of the time, it can be in the 70s and 80s. So I don't quite understand the some of the surrounding uh, businesses not being open yet. But we've uh, we've now and again uh, didn't go last year. This year is still a little bit of a weird year. So I don't know that I would apply the, the things that we saw closed this year to a reg. This isn't still quite a regular year. Understood. Understood. <laughs> Anything yeah. else about the sites that we want our listeners yeah, to know? I, I think I covered most of it in terms of, you know, you can have cabins from basic all the way through to, you know, private bedroom cabins. And you can have uh, every with your RV sites from basic back end sites all the way through to those full hookup patio riverside sites. And I actually think they uh, I. I I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of the tent sites, but I will give the uh, towns in KOA credit that some of their premium real estate is devoted to those 10 uh, uh, tent sites. And they have one of the tent sites there may very well be the prettiest site in the entire campground that, that, that basically is somewhat elevated overlooking uh, the river. And you have more than a, I would say, a all more than a hundred and eighty degree view of of the river. Uh, it's it's beautiful. So I will definitely give the the KOA credit there in terms of the real estate that they did devote to those ten uh, tent sides. That's great to hear. I actually just bought a new tent because I am really kind of jonesing to go on a boys only trip and take the boys tent camping, you know, just to do something very different. And uh, when that tent arrived, Stephanie looked at it and said, there's no way the four of you are going to fit into that tent because it's a four person tent. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see who's right there. How about customer service and, and Wi-Fi and cell phone service? Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, cell phone service is fine. Uh, Wi-Fi is, I, there is Wi-Fi there. I consider it a bit uh, a bit marginal. Uh, 
so you you so you you can't count on the Wi-Fi for much other than maybe you know checking your email a little bit here and there. You can try to do a little bit on the Wi-Fi, but it depends upon the time of the day and how many people are on the the system. Uh, in terms of customer service, uh, again, they've got it dialed in. The and again, I think KOAs in general do a good job with customer service, but this KOA. And uh, Laura and I have stayed at a, you know, a, a few other KOAs. Uh, we've always had a good experience at a KOA, but this place is like the, the cherry on the Sunday of staying in this wonderful campground at the edge of the Great Smoky, Ma- Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Is The customer service is just exquisite there. Just Even when people are just driving around, cleaning sites, doing the general maintenance, they're friendly, they're engaging, they're helpful. So uh, the staff is wonderful. You know, it just it, it reminds me a lot of the Lake Placid KOA, even though they're in totally different regions of the country and have a, have a very different look and feel. Um, like the, to me, the Lake Placid KOA is the ideal KOA in the Northeast. And I kind of feel like the Townsend KOA is maybe the ideal KOA in the South. I mean, those two really do rise to the to the top for me. So what other things does the Townsend KOA have in terms of recreation and activities? Yeah. And, and again, remembering that this is not a resort, but is a holiday KOA. You have a nice swimming pool. You have a nice playground for the kids. You have a nice uh, bark park that uh, I've noticed some of the campgrounds, you can go to the bark park and it's just a fenced in area out in the middle of the, of the field. This is nestled uh, amongst the trees there. So there's, so, uh, uh, so Gibbs, well, Gibbs doesn't like bark parks because he has to interact with other dogs. Neither does but Maggie. He does a pre- Okay. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and they do they do outdoor movies. They do things like tie dye t shirts, and normally they would have things like hay wagon rides and those types of things for kids and families. They're not doing the hay wagon rides right now due to uh, uh, due to COVID. But there's you know there are some other nice activities. Again, remembering that this is not a a resort KOA. Now, that playground was wonderful, and somebody that yeah. works at KOA told me that the people that built that playground build playgrounds for Disney, and that I oh. was not surprised because that is a awesome playground, and Max and Theo and Wes were all at playground age when we were there. They spent a ton of time there, and we also – I remember having super fun water wars on the wagon ride, so hopefully uh, as the world returns to normal – you will see those types of things there again. So, Dean, this is kind of close to a perfect KOA, but we know that nobody's perfect. So what's the one thing you would like to see improved? Okay, for me, and again, maybe I'm sounding uh, too much like a privileged camper here, uh, but uh, I think it's the Wi-Fi. Uh, and in fact, Laura and I, and I, you know, Laura and I just recently camped at a campground that every site had its own uh, modem, uh, had its own router for, for Wi-Fi. So I tell you what, uh, I, I just I just think we're in a day and age that we need to be, that campgrounds need to be more aware of that particular issue, particularly private campgrounds. Uh, the Wi-Fi could be better. People want it. People need it. You know, a lot of people are, are working and traveling at the same time and taking kind of, you know, mixed vacations slash workcations. So 
I'm with you. I mean, the market's demanding it, and the and the best campgrounds will 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 answer that call. So we're going to come back in a second. We're going to talk about some amazing things. That, that was all about the campground guys, but we have like Great Smoky Mountains National Park is is surrounding it. So we're going to come back in a second, and Casita Dean May is going to talk about some of his favorite things to do around the towns in KOA. But before we do that, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Blackstone. The sound of bacon or burgers and steak sizzling is the sound that you crave this summer. Blackstone is the original flat top griddle with more than 5 million griddles sold. Blackstone is the way that America cooks in the great outdoors. You can cook everything you can on a traditional grill and a thousand things you can't. Want an incredible breakfast? How about lunch or dinner? The solid steel flat top infuses the flavors. Pick the size and style that's right for your next camping trip. The 17-inch and 22-inch griddles are easy to store in your RV and still have the space to feed the hungriest army. There's even a portable Blackstone with an air fryer built in. Talk about variety. With Blackstone, you can cook anything anytime, anywhere. For outdoor cooking fun and flavor that you can't find anywhere else, go wherever griddles are sold or head on over to blackstoneproducts.com. And remember, if it's not a Blackstone, it's not a griddle. Dean, let's talk Great Smoky Mountains National Park, right? I mean, this is the most visited national park, and it is a beautiful, stunning, wonderful national park. Oh, I agree. Uh, and that is the number one reason that we enjoy camping there is the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. I cannot get enough of the national park. I would, I mean, they, there are hundreds of miles of hiking trails. There are beautiful overlooks and vistas. There's beautiful rivers and creeks. And uh, there's just so much to do inside the national park. Of course, that's no big secret given that you have, uh, what, over 10 million people or I don't know how many millions of people that visit it annually. And again, it is the most visited uh, national park, but you know, and again, maybe, I don't, maybe won't spend a ton of time talking about it and maybe just give a shout out to DJ Odom. You had a, a nice podcast interview with him, what, just a couple of months ago about the uh, Great Smoky Mountain National Park. Yeah, he came on for 10 must-see spots in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, and that was one of our most downloaded podcasts of the year already. So, you know, the interest in Great Smokies is partly because it's magnificent, of course, but it's also partly because it's within reach of so many population centers for a, right. you know, a day's drive. I mean, I could get there in a a long day, you know, uh, and many, many people can. So yeah, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes at the rvatlas.com as well. Uh, but what are some of your, you know, your, your favorite things that you guys love to do well, there? And again, and I'm kind of just saying this, you know, particularly to maybe folks that may be their first time there. I mean, uh, the obvious highlights that you just have to check out. Well, one is that Cades Cove Loop is wonderful, which is about a 10 or 11 mile loop. Uh, I've never had a chance to do it. I think on Saturday mornings, you can take your bikes over there and you can ride the loop and they don't, it's not open to cars for a while. I would love to do that. Uh, I'm not currently running. I used to run. I would also love to get uh, back into better shape and run the loop, which I think would be uh, amazing. Uh, and everyone has heard of Cades Cove, but one thing I'd like to maybe also mention, there is another scenic drive that you can take inside the National Park. It's called Roaring Fork Motor Nature Trail. And 
it was wonderful. We just did that for the first time this past spring. I think I'd heard of it. I hadn't gotten around to do it. And it's probably more like five or six miles. And the cool thing about these loops is they're not just driving loops. They're places where you can pull off and see some old uh, historic cabins. You can read about the history. Uh, like at Cades Cove, if you want to take a hike, you can hike out to Abrams Falls. At Roaring Fort, uh, there's lots of pull-offs. You can hike from from the the uh, from the scenic drive. You can hike to Rainbow Falls. So I really think that that gives you a taste of not just being out hiking, but you're driving, hiking all at the same time. So you really get to take in a lot of things. But if you just if you're into waterfalls, I mean they're 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 plentiful throughout the national park. And Laurel Falls is a popular one. Uh, probably in terms of like overlooks and hiking, Klingman's Dome is definitely a popular place as well as the Chimney Tops trails. So those would be kind of my quick five that anybody that's never been to the national park, you need to see all five of those. And even if you've been several times, they're still fun to go back to. Roaring, I mean, they're all amazing. I could talk to talk about all these, but Roaring Fork Motor Nature Trail is astonishingly beautiful and so easy to get to. One tip I would want to throw in is if you want to do uh, a hike, uh, you need to get there early because there's limited parking. And I, I believe it's Rainbow Falls is the one you can actually walk behind the waterfall. Does that sound, am I getting that right, Dean? I don't mean to put you on the spot. Yes, I think so. How we've We've done Abram Falls. We've done Laurel Falls. In fact, I've done Laurel Falls a, a few times. I have not done Rainbow Falls, but based upon my research, yeah, I think that's that's correct. That's a beautiful one. Uh, Klingman's Dome, we were, uh, there was too much fog. We had no view the day uh, we went uh, yeah. up there. And then Cades Cove is, is magical. Uh, as we talked about with DJ Odom, it feels like you're being transported. Um, the, the image that keeps, as I'm listening to you talk about Great Smokies, the memories that come rushing back to me are of the hikes and the drives where you are winding over streams, these rushing streams everywhere, right? Where you're crossing over a little bridge on a hike or driving over a little bridge. And they design a lot of the drives and hikes to go over and then back over a lot of these gorgeous streams, which are just everywhere. So What's around the anything around the campground in particular that you would recommend? Not, not, not so much these huge things you just mentioned, but just more some things to do around the towns in KOA. Uh, yeah, and in fact, in fact, there's some of the trails just as you you come out of the KOA, you make a left hand turn, you head toward the national park. Just as you get into the national park, there are lots of places just to pull off the road, just to do some hiking and some really nice, nice hikes, not some of these more major hikes that, you know, that I've mentioned. So there's the, t so even if you're going to go to the, the, the visitor center, you can easily make a day of just wandering around and finding uh, these little hikes that do exactly what you're talking about, hiking along these beautiful creeks and, you know, hiking over them and those types of things. But there's also Townsend has a lot to offer just in terms of local attractions and activities like of course you know you know we you know that Laura and I live close to the Mammoth Cave National Park which is the largest cave system in the world so and uh so I don't want I I don't want to be too much of a cave snob but back a couple of years ago we just there was a private cave and I thought okay you know I'm you know I know about Mammoth Cave so but it was called Tuckaleechee Caverns 
we did a tour of Tuckaleechee Caverns off the hook, beautiful cave that I would highly recommend. Uh, and that's just, just a few miles down the road from uh, the KOA. Like you mentioned earlier, you can do tubing. Uh, and then just along that corridor, as you're coming in on the highway, there you, you've got visitor centers. You've got the Great Smoky Mountain uh, Heritage Centers. There's a little museum. And some of this stuff is not stuff that's going to take hours to do. You can just decide you're going to go out to lunch, spend two or three hours, and maybe take in the Little River Railroad Museum. Or there's a really cool swinging bridge. I think it's called Dark Island uh, Swinging Bridge. But you can go out to lunch, check out the Heritage Center, take in a, a cave tour, visit a museum, check out uh, a swinging bridge with the kids, and pretty much pack all of that kind of stuff into, uh, uh, into one day. Well, uh, I'm picturing too, like doing something big in the morning, you know, heading into the national to Cades Cove or going to do a big hike or Clingman's Dome and then, you know, come back, have lunch, relax a little bit and then do something smaller in the afternoon, something less ambitious. So that sounds like some of those things would be cool for that. Right. And then the other thing that's really nice, Laura and I like to bicycle some. Uh, I used to bicycle a lot, not as much these days, but you can go right across the street. Uh from the KOA and they have a bicycle, a paved bicycle trail that heads, you know, back in toward town and it's five miles. So, and you're, and along the way, you're going to go past coffee shops and breweries and shopping and eating at places. So you can get out on your bicycle, do a tent, you know, five miles out, five miles back and just spend a day just kind of shopping and touring from, uh, um, from your, your, your bicycle. I mean, you could go back every year with your family and at different stages in your in your you know journey as an RV owner or a camper. How about some other day trips that are not necessarily the park itself? Yeah. And again, uh, uh, I, there's so much to see around. Again, you can, you're going to need to consider your time of the year, the time of day. You want to be careful with some of the, the drives. I've been caught in traffic between Gatlinburg and uh, uh, the towns in KOA uh, and spent, you know, three hours traveling five miles. That is not fun. So that's always, I, and again, I'm kind of one of those, I'll drive 10 miles out of my way to avoid uh, 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 three miles of traffic. So uh, I may be a little up. Uh, a little grumpier than most about uh, the traffic. So I will have to temper it that, that what I'm getting ready to say is, you know, be careful, but again, you're, you're taking it from me here. Uh, so, but a day trip to Gatlinburg, uh, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, you, I mean, all of those are very touristy, very, but they've got tons of places to eat and drink and museums and things for kids to do and, you know, uh, go-kart tracks and all of that kind of stuff. So we will usually, I will, if, if we're camping for six or seven days, I will take one trip to uh, Gatlinburg. And that's 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 it for me. Now, sometimes some of the other folks that we're camping with, they'll make other trips. Uh, but again, those are the types of things that if if you want to break from the national park and want to do some, you know, shopping at outlet malls and do those types of things, uh, you can do that. One of the things that I really kind of like is drive to the Sugarlands Visitor Center. 
and you can hike from there, which is about two miles. You can hike to Gatlinburg. This is also only one of two pet-friendly trails in the entire national park. So go to the visitor center, which is absolutely, like you said, it's beautiful. It's a great visitor center. Take in the visitor center. Uh, uh, hike two miles to Gatlinburg. Spend as much time or money and, and eat and drink in Gatlinburg. Just keep in mind, you're going to have to hike two miles back uh, to the visitor center. And that way you can take in Gatlinburg without having to do all of the the, the potential drive to uh, Gatlinburg. You can avoid downtown Gatlinburg in terms of driving and paying for parking and that kind of stuff. Just go to the visitor center uh, and hike two miles and take in Gatlinburg. Yeah, Gatlinburg is, you know, can be pretty crazy. So I just think it's like very much personality based, whether you would want to go in and, and hang out there with your family. I think that some people go out of their way to avoid it and, and other people, you know, get excited to go in there and do it. It kind of reminds me of some of the boardwalk areas here at the Jersey Shore. I mean, it's very busy, lots of shopping, lots of touristy stuff, but, you know, lots of fun stuff, too. Um, now, it wouldn't be an episode with Casita Dean May if we didn't get some specific food and drink recommendations so what do you have for us yeah I've, I've noticed over the last five years that there's more places to drink uh coffee for example so uh the little river uh coffee company is a is a wonderful place to uh to get coffee there's also another uh coffee place i think it's called dancing bear coffee shop which is which is nice the other thing that is really nice in terms of in terms of beer they have a place called the abbey uh, which is, it looks like it's a cross between uh, a cabin and a cathedral. Uh, but it is amazing in terms of their beer selection. So there is a wonderful beer selection. It's only, I'm guessing, maybe two or three miles from the KOA. Now, be a little careful. It's only open from Thursday to Sunday. They also have an amazing food menu, but for whatever reason, we have not eaten there. But I tell you what, based on their menu, it looks like it would be a great place, not just for beer, but for food as well. Uh, barbecue, you know, the barbecue, I always try to recommend a barbecue place. Smoke and Joe's Barbecue is decent barbecue. It's close by. I'd, I'd recommend it. Uh, it's also fun uh, for breakfast, or this is a nice restaurant. If you walked out to the exit of the campground, take a ride. Stay on the pavement without getting on the road. Oh, I don't know. Walk maybe uh, 20 yards or so. You'd be in the parking lot of the Riverstone Family Restaurant. And you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, we'll go camping. You get up in the morning and you fix bacon and eggs and coffee and all that kind of stuff. And it's really nice. But some mornings, it's just nice to get up, walk up to the, uh, the exit of the campground, walk into the parking lot, sit down and spend a couple of hours hanging out with, you know, my brother and, and friends, and we'll just hang out, have bacon, eggs, and drink coffee. So, uh, so I, I, I like that river Riverstone family restaurant right next to, uh, right next to the, uh, the campground. And last but not least, I want to mention ice cream, even though you can get ice cream, uh, uh, they're at the, the KOA, but they have the coolest little kind of uh, drive-in place, kind of a retro feel to it. It's called the Burger Master, and you can get chicken fingers and burgers and hot dogs, and they're all fine. They're, you know, they kind of are what they are, but 
it's just a great place to get soft serve ice cream and they make, you know, do other things and that type of thing. But I would highly, and they're doing a fairly major renovation now. I'd highly recommend just driving down the road. Uh, it, again, all of this stuff is, you know, no more than two or three miles away, but go to the Burger Master for, uh, for ice cream. Max and Theo and Wesley, thank you for that recommendation. And the next time we go to Great Smokies Mount, Mountains National Park, I'm going to Burger Master. Now, Dean, this is one of your favorite campgrounds. I think that's obvious to anybody listening because your enthusiasm for it. But I mean, how would you rank this uh, overall uh, in terms of all the campgrounds you've ever been to? Well, now, you know, you know, I'm kind of a weird, obsessive, compulsive numbers guy, so, a number guy. So Laura and I have camped. Uh, I, I'm going to say 240 nights to be exact. I think it's 239 at this point. But uh, in our 239 nights of camping in which we've probably, I don't know, traveled to 10 or 11 different states, this, this campground uh, for us is a top three campground. I'm not surprised. It, I have to ask you, though, what are the other two? Oh, see, for me, a, a top campground is definitely, for me, I love, and we've covered it, Monte Sano State Park. I love a campground in which I'm in the woods. I have access to hiking from the campground. I have access to mountain biking. It happens to have a disc golf course, and I can go out and spend the day having fun and never leave uh uh, the, the state park, but then I can get in my car, drive 15 minutes down to Huntsville, have wonderful beer, wonderful food, access to a space and rocket center, access to a wonderful botanical gardens all within 15 minutes. And then I just have to drive back up the mountain in this beautiful campground. So for me, when I rank a campground, it's typically I'm also doing it within the context of what is there to see and do that's close by. So I love the isolation of that campground, but I love the accessibility of, of everything too. So for me, Monte Sano is, and plus you're camping there with full hookups for $30 a night. Uh, and then, of course, I mean, Fort DeSoto down uh, south of St. Pete uh, is, a, is a, a, a tremendous campground. I've only been there once, but it was so nice. Uh, one trip there, and it's a top three campground. I, I'm looking forward to going back. We drove through Fort DeSoto and, and spent the day there, and that has some of the nicest. I mean, the Florida State Park campground system is ridiculously nice, and it makes me so jealous. I'm almost angry about it. It's so good you know, compared to what we have here in the Northeast. But the, some of the sites at Fort DeSoto are amazing, and not just the sites on the water. Like, if you're at Fort DeSoto and you can't get a site on the water and you get, like, one of the more interior sites, they're huge and, and beautiful, too. So, Dean, I also I want to end this episode by congratulating you on your recent retirement from a, a, a wonderful career as a college professor. Uh, so congratulations to you. And I'm I'm actually a little giddy saying that because I know you and I know that you know, retirement for you is not going to be sitting around the house. I think there's going to be a lot of awesome RV travel in your future. So just end, let's end the show. What are what are some of the trips you're dreaming about? You know, the top of your bu bucket list, you and Laura's bucket list. 
Well, one trip we've already uh, booked. They have a brand new egg camper uh, rally in uh, Tybee Island, which is just off the coast of uh, Savannah, Georgia, that we've booked uh, six days there. But we'll take uh, now we can take our time to go down. We'll take our time coming back. So well, that'll be probably a 10, 12 day uh, trip in September that as a college professor or as a department head, you're never going anywhere in September uh, for that length of time. You're lucky to squeeze in a weekend trip. So we've already booked a kind of a a bucket list trip to uh, to Tybee Island. But I mean, we have, you know, we have lots of things that we're going to want to do over the years. One of these days, and I, this is an epic trip, I would absolutely love to uh, circumnavigate the uh, the Great Lakes, but that's probably a few month a few month uh, uh, camping trip. And our oldest daughter just recently moved from Lexington, Kentucky, to Wooster, Massachusetts. We helped her move. And again, I know this is weird, but I'm actually a New Yorker by birth that was born in the Catskill Mountains. I'm amazed driving from. Uh, Lexington, Kentucky, to Worcester, Massachusetts, just how beautiful uh, that West Virginia, Maryland, uh, you know, driving through Pennsylvania, and even Connecticut, Mass- in, it, where Natalie is in Massachusetts, the lakes, the rolling hills, there is just so much to see and do that, and now having a daughter for the next couple of years in Massachusetts, I think Laura and I are already beginning to talk about camping trips to the, I'd like to, you know, camp since I was born in the Catskills, I'd like to go camping in the Catskills and explore the Adirondacks and, and do those types of things. Well, wishing you all the best. And I thank you so much for all the amazing contributions to the RV Atlas. I've lost track of how many times you've been on the show and and how much great content you have brought us over the years. And it's very, very much appreciated. And Dean, I really, truly hope to see you at the campground soon. All right. Thank you. Look forward to seeing you in the campground again, too. A big thank you for listening to this episode of the RV Atlas. And a big thanks to our sponsors. To Jayco, the Thetford Corporation, Camp Spot, Yogi Bears Jellystone Park Camp Resorts, and our friends at Ocala Marion County in Florida. To find out more about the topics discussed in this show, visit thervatlas.com. And join the friendliest group of RVers over at the RV Atlas Group on Facebook. And if you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving us a review over at iTunes. And we'll see you at the campground. See you at the campground.